Well, we are kicking off a new series called Urban Legends, and I've heard there's an urban legend that daytight, uh, daylight savings time may go away. I don't know, you know. How many of you guys remember to set your clocks forward? Anybody? Y'all did? Okay. So we may have a few people show up a little bit late there, I'm just saying. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, change is a good thing. Would y'all agree with that? Can be, right? Change can be a good thing. And so, you know, time changes, life changes. We celebrate life change around here. I mean, that's, that's kind of a big deal. So change can be a good thing. And so hopefully as we move through this series, I hope that uh, maybe God's Word, through the teaching of God's Word and God's truth, that there may be some change to maybe what you think about certain things. And so in this series, it's called Urban Legends. And uh, let me kind of give you the definition of urban legends. Urban legend is an often lured story or antidote to, that is based on hearsay and widely circulated as true. However, it's not. So today we're talking about the devil made me do it. A lot of times we'll do something or we'll sin or whatever, and we'll say the devil made me do it. And I'm just telling you, I think if we look at God's Word today, we're going to see that we may be tempted to do things, but the devil can't make us, as believers especially, do anything. And and so we have authority and we have power and we can walk in that. And and so I want us to look at this today, this this urban legend, this, this kind of myth that's out there that... You know, hey, listen, the devil made me do it. I, I didn't have any say in I didn't have any choice in this. And that's, that's not always true. So we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus today. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 4, and it's the, the temptation of, of Christ. And let me kind of give you a little bit of background. You know, so here's Jesus who has just gone through the waters of baptism. And uh, some, some would say, why was Jesus baptized? You know, because John was preaching a baptism of repentance and so jesus has never sinned he's lived a holy life he's lived a completely sinless life to why did he go through that but jesus said hey listen baptism is important he modeled that for us as believers and so whenever someone goes through the waters of baptism they're going public they're letting everybody know you know what hey listen i'm following christ i'm following the example that he set and it was a great picture of the uh, of his death burial and resurrection you know buried with christ in baptism raised to walk in the newness of life and so baptism was, was something that was powerful. And so God established something pretty unique whenever he, he, uh, Jesus went to be baptized by John. John's like, Jesus, I've told everybody that I'm unworthy to even untie your sandals, and here you are wanting me to baptize you. But, but John was obedient to Christ, and he baptized Jesus. And so when Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens open up and it says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus gets this affirmation, this public affirmation, this public proclamation by God over him. And, and so really whenever we're baptized, it is a public proclamation. It's kind of a really big deal. You're going public with that. And so, so now Jesus is being led into the wilderness uh, for a time of temptation. So let's kind of pick up here in Luke chapter 4, verses 1. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the time, all that time, and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. And then the devil took took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh, And I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Now I will give it all to you if you, will, if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him with, to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So Satan is always trying to tempt. Even the very Son of God, he, you know, he, he tried to tempt Jesus to, to kind of shortcut, if you would, to take a shortcut, to not follow God's plan and God's purpose for his life. But he said, hey, listen, why don't you take a shortcut? If you, you won't have to go to the cross. You won't have to do these things. But Jesus was focused on the cross because of you and because of me, because of our need. You know, he knew God's plan and God's purpose. You know, when we look back at Christ, we realize he is fully God but yet fully man. And so he had, he had physical need. He was, he was physically hungry. And so Satan tries to play on that temptation, play on that, that need, if you will, or that, that want that we have. And so whenever we look at you know, this urban legend of, hey, the devil made me do it, Jesus models for us that the devil can't make you do anything, especially if you have the power of the living God living within you and the spirit of the living God guiding you. You don't have to follow his, his temptations or even succumb to them. And so Jesus modeled by... Uh, you know, referencing Scripture, one of the best things we could do is to literally hide God's Word in our heart that we don't sin against God. And so David said that. And so the more that we hide Scripture, the more that we memorize Scripture, whenever the temptations come, we're able to quote Scripture and refute uh, Satan's uh, temptations. And so here we are. It's in Hebrews 4.15. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, he, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So here's the great thing. If we claim to be a follower of Christ and we're following him, we're following someone who has already had victory. We're following someone who has already been fa- who has faced temptations, but he did not succumb to that. He did not give in to that. And so whenever we look back, we've got to say, hey, listen, what did Jesus do? Because we know that we're going to be tempted. There's things that tempt us. There's things that allure us. They, you know, they, they draw us in. And, man, we struggle sometimes with these temptations. And oftentimes we give in to the temptation. And like I said, sometimes we'll say, the devil made me do it, which is not true. So let's unpack a few of these things. Number one, let me just say this. The devil is real. If you're one of those where you go, you know, I don't really think the devil's real, then you don't believe Scripture. You don't believe the truth of God's Word. You know, and there are oftentimes the world will try to explain things away and, and kind of say, hey, listen, that's not really true. That's just an urban legend. That's an urban myth. That's, a, that's just a, a, an old wives' tale, if you will. And so Scripture clearly points out that there is an enemy and there is a devil. And so look at what it says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says, stay alert, stay alert, stay alert. Watch out your great enemy. It's not a pushover. I mean, Satan is a real enemy. I mean, this is one that we need to be prepared for. This is one that we need to understand. He wants to destroy us. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Your faith is critical. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So here's what Peter is saying here. He's saying, hey, listen, keep in mind there is an enemy. There is one who wants to destroy you. And I hope every one of you believe that, there is, that the devil is real and understand that he wants to. Now, he does not have the authority to, but he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy anything that God has created. He wants to destroy anything that God loves. He wants to do everything he can to come against the one true God. And he wants to try to rob or steal. Even when we think about worship, if you'll remember, Satan was a worship leader. He was a worship leader in heaven. But yet he didn't want to just be the worship leader. He wanted to be God. 
And so therefore he was cast out of, of heaven. So the thing is, he's always wanted what God has, and he's always been hungry for more. You know, and so here's the thing. He's constantly trying to steal us away, destroy our marriages, destroy our witness, destroy our word, everything that he can destroy. Man, that's what he thrives on. And he's a liar. He's a father of all lies. And so the Bible is very clear there. Peter is very clear. You know what? There is a devil. He was a real enemy. Don't think, hey, this is just circumstances, but there's a spiritual battle that takes place and there's a spiritual war that takes place that is raging a war against our souls and against our, our, uh, our marriages and against our, our witness. And everything that we need to understand is, you know what, there is a battle that takes place. And to play that off or to just kind of say, well, I'm not really worried about that. We should be focused on that. Not to the point that, you know what, we're focused on the enemy, but we're focused on the God who has given us victory over the enemy. So that should be our focus. But to deny it is a mistake. And so let's look at what it says here. This is Jesus speaking in John, the Gospel of John. Jesus told him, he said, if God were your father, he, he was talking to some people. He said, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here of my, own, of my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. He says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has always hated the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. Man, whenever you, maybe you're one of those that you struggle with lying. If you struggle with lying, here's the thing. You're more like Satan than you are like Christ who is considered the truth. But if you're known as a liar and you say, well, that's just a, that's a struggle for me, then here's the thing. You're li more lined up with, with uh, Satan than you are with Christ. And, and, and Jesus is pointing it out. And he said, hey, listen, he's a, he's a devil. The, the devil, Satan, is literally real. And he, he's, a, he's a liar. He's, try, he's constantly lying to you. He's trying to deceive you. He, that, that's what he does. And here, one of the things he, he says here, he says he's always telling you the truth because there's no truth in him. It goes back to the beginning. Jesus was there in the very beginning of the world. He was in there at the creation of, of, of everything that we know. Everything that we know that was spoken into existence, Jesus was there with the Father. So he comes in the form of a man, and he comes to, to bring a message of truth. He brings the gospel, the good news. And so we've got to understand that the devil is real. But here's what I love. God's spirit is greater. God's spirit is greater. No matter what enemy we, we may be facing, no matter what, how uh, great he may be, the devil, God's spirit, is greater. It says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a, a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Satan may try to do everything he can to corrupt this world, to destroy this world, to cause war and factions and even splits and stuff like that. But here's the thing is, God, who we, who we serve, God who we say, man, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, has come to live within us. We have... The Spirit of God living within us for the man who has placed his faith in Christ, who has received Jesus Christ by faith, not by works or any other means, but has received Christ, then the Spirit of the living God is living within you, and greater is the Spirit of the living God that is within you than anything that is in this world. And so we have to lean into that and cling to that and believe that. And so the devil is real. Don't misunderstand that. But we don't walk in fear of that. And we don't tremble at that because we know that the spirit of the living God who lives within us is greater than even our enemy. And so we look at that passage in John 4, 4, and that might be a good one to memorize. That might be a good one to commit to memory 
and to hide in your heart so that whenever, hey, temptation does come, that you go, you know what, I'm, I'm not weak enough, and I'm not going to bow down to this, but I am stronger because of the Spirit of God living within me. And then look at what it says in 1 John two fifteen through 16. This talks about the different types of temptations that we face. It says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And so let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit. So God the Father does not give us a craving for more and more and more and more that often we times wrestle with. You know, he, God gives us a contentment and, and a, hey, listen, a thankfulness. All those things come from God. But all this that we wrestle with, and many of us in this room wrestle with this. Like Laurie and I, we were sitting there watching the other night. You know, uh, we, we'll watch these uh, house hunters or beach house hunters or whatever. And so the other night that we were watching one where they were in North Carolina. And uh, we always like to try to guess at how much the house is going to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if y'all, anybody ever watch that? You know, and so you're sitting there going, all right, so they're looking at this one. It's going to be like 800 and something thousand dollars. And I was like, dude, they, they ain't going to get nothing on the beach. I can just tell you, you know, because you go to Orange Beach or you go to, you know, to Destin or somewhere like that, you won't get what these guys were going to get in North Carolina. Now, don't everybody move to North Carolina, but I'm just saying. And so we're looking at it, and, and really the prices were way better. So, man, you can't get that at like Martin. You can't get that anywhere like that. But what we were doing is we were looking at these houses, and we were going, man, that's nice. Boy, that's nice. And I looked over at Laura and said, hey, don't be coveting now. Because what we have a tendency to do is what? We covet what other people have. Our eyes. Man, we get focused on things. And a lot of times we, you know, we start wanting what someone else has. We, we want somebody. We, we, hey, I wish my husband was like that. I wish my wife was like that. And, and all of a sudden we begin to, you know, want the things of this world. And, and we begin to want things that are not of God. And let me read that passage one more time. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. But when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That needs to sink into all of us today. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. Now what, what does that sound, description sound like? Does that sound like you? Or does it sound like, I mean, that's not me. I mean, I, I'm not always wanting more, 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 but I'm, I'm, I'm content with what I have. And so let's, it says here, how do we overcome the devil's temptations? How do we overcome these temptations that are thrown at us? And up here in this passage that we just read, there's three different areas there that we're going to cover. And every temptation that Jesus had fits into these three categories as well. It's called the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride and possessions. And so it's the desires of the flesh is the first one. And so what we often wrestle with is the desires of the flesh is we want what this body says that we want. You know what I'm saying? So our body uh, becomes a, a, a big deal. Our body can oftentimes rule our day rather than being led by God's spirit. Our flesh takes over. You know, like you're driving down the road and somebody pulls over and cuts you off or whatever. All of a sudden you can go from zero to flesh in a heartbeat, right? Man, you're mad, you're, you hate them, you hope they wreck, you hope they land up in a ditch or whatever. You know, I mean, you, get, you can get bad. But the Spirit, if we're led by the Spirit, then we, you know, we, we go, hey, God, you know, they're probably in a hurry to get somewhere. You know, Lord, I pray that you bless them. Keep them safe. Get them there. And how many of you guys are led by the Spirit and how many of y'all are led by the flesh? 
Yeah, you know what I'm saying? All right, so here's the thing is, are we led by the flesh? So desires of the flesh could be a lot of things. You know, obviously we live in a sex-saturated culture. Now, here's the thing. Sex within marriage is God-honoring sex, and it's a beautiful thing. We talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about Song of Solomon. It is, it is fun. It is enjoyable. It is God-honoring. It is incredible within the confines of marriage. You get outside of that, and what we do is we begin to try to pervert it. We try to make it about our pleasure rather than God's glory. And, and what we do is we take what God meant to be beautiful and great, and what we do is we begin to tarnish it or we we take what was what god says hey this is this is something holy and we want to make make it dirty if you will that's what satan does that's what satan does that's that's his goal is to take what god has created what god thinks is beautiful and and god honoring and try to mess it up or mess you know do something wrong with it that's what satan does so what are we more followers of christ or are we more followers of this world and so the desires of the flesh desires of the flesh can be all kinds of things it can be food you know, man, hey, we, we're, we're driven by food. We're driven by these desires for food. You know, I, I have people, we, we always joke about, we say, hey, man, you know, I don't, I don't eat to live. I, I live to eat. You know, some people like that. You know, y'all know some people like that? Maybe you're like that. You know, uh, Pastor Daniel always talked about he works out so he can eat. You know, he don't work out to get skinny. He works out so he can eat. And so we've got to be willing to say, hey, you know what, God, don't let these desires of the flesh rule in my life or be in control of things. And so that's the first thing. Let's, let's do this. Let's take control of your passions. Let's take control of our passions. Rather than them ruling, them making the decisions, let's take control of your passions. So let's look at what, how Jesus responded. In Luke 4, 1 through 3, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, which is a key thing, guys, don't miss that. If we're going to say that I'm a follower of Christ and Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, he is completely full of the Holy Spirit, and that's how he faced his temptations, then that tells every one of us in this room, if we're going to be facing battles and temptations, we need to be full of the Spirit. We don't need to go in there weak. We don't need to go in there just kind of running on leftovers. We need to go into a battle literally prepared, equipped, and ready for the battle that's coming, full of the Holy Spirit. And so that's, 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 in, that's intentional that we read that. And so then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now, we all know that Jesus could have done that, right? We know that he could have done that. He could have turned it into bread if he wanted to. But this, hey, Satan's not his God. Satan's not his leader. Satan's not his Lord. And so what he says, but Jesus told him, that, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. That comes from the Old Testament where God had fed the nation of Israel manna. You know, and so the, you know, these people were hungry, they were complaining, they were griping. And so God provides manna, which was a bread. It was kind of like a crust. It was almost like the dew had fallen, you know, and there was a frost almost. But it was bread, and they would pick it up, and they would eat it. And they could only have enough for the day, just for the day. And if you tried to store it, the next day you'd get up, it would be turned into worms. So every day it was teaching, hey, every day you trust God. Every day you lean into God. Every day you pursue God. And, and so here's the thing. So what God says, hey, listen, man will not leave, he will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so what God was saying, hey, listen, bread, is, it's not what you need. It's the spiritual sustenance that you need, not the physical sustenance. You know, so we've got to be able to say, God, I want what you have for me. And there should be a desire within every believer that we're more hungry for the things of God than we are for the things of this world. You know, we talk about fasting and praying. One of the most powerful things that we have 
for us as believers is, is fasting and prayer. And so whenever we fast, what we're doing is we're relinquishing the natural for the supernatural. We're saying, God, I'm, I want to give up this food or this drink or whatever it might be for a season so that every time that I'm hungry. Now, me just talking about food, some of you guys are getting hungry already, I'm sure. But when, every time that I feel hungry, I don't run to food and I don't run to sugar and I don't run to whatever but I run to get on my knees and to pray for whatever that specific need is that God has put before me. And so there may be some of you guys that are going through battles and you're going through things and you're going like, you know, why are we not experiencing victory in this area of our life? Why are we not overcoming this? And it may be that God said, hey, listen, this is, this is only going to be done through the power of prayer and fasting. And so it may be that you have to be willing to give something up for a season. So what you're doing is say, God, you're more important to me than this bread or this coffee or whatever it might be. And so, God, I want to focus on you. And, and, and I know there's many times people go, you know, well, Mike, I, you know, I, I can't go up without a meal. You know, I get hangry, you know, and the house gets bad and me and my wife uh, fight or whatever. Or me and my husband fight. But I'm just telling you, what you're doing is you're relinquishing the natural for the supernatural. And if you're always focused on being hangry, here's the thing. You're focused on what? Food. You're not focused on God. You're not focused on the fact that, God, I can trust you to meet this need physically. You know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but you can live a few days without food. Does everybody know that? And there's a lot of us in the room that could probably live a long time without food. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, so we, you know, now water is a different ball game. but I'm just saying food, you know, in America, man, we, we eat way more than you can imagine. I was sharing with some guys whenever I went to Africa, I got to go on a hunt there, and one of the game animals that, that, that I took we fed Af- African pastors for two weeks off of that animal. And somebody was like, man, how in the world did that la-? It was 90 pastors for two weeks. And they were like, how in the world did that, that feed everybody? I said, well, here's the thing. In America, we eat more meat in one meal than most of the world eats in an entire month. One meal. We'll, you know, we'll get a ribeye or whatever. Here's that. We'll eat more meat in one meal than most people in the world will eat in a month. And in some places, maybe a year. So they're... they're Protein deficient or whatever because of they don't have what we have. And so we've got to be able to say, God, help me to take control of my passions so that they don't control me, but God, that you do. And so understand this. God's not going to tempt anybody in this room. He will allow us to go through temptations. He'll allow us to go through trials because he's teaching us and he wants us dependent upon him and leaning into him and trusting him. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. God's will is for, uh, for you to be holy. To stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. There's a great book out called uh, Every Man's Battle. And some of you men, you might want to write this down. And so men were sight activated. So ladies, whenever you dress a certain way, if you dress scantily, if you got you know parts of your body that are hanging out, a guy is going to be drawn to that. That's how God wired us. And you might say, well, you know, that's, that's wrong. No, that's God. That's how he wires us. And the incredible thing is, is God made men and women different for a purpose. And so what, what that book is teaching is, hey, listen, guys, you may have to learn to bounce your eyes. If you're driving down the road and you see a pretty lady out jogging or whatever, you, you, you may be able to look over there, but you need to bounce your eyes to something else. You know, look at the speedometer. You know, look off over this way, whatever. And so the, the whole premise of that book is you need to learn to bounce your eyes and say, God, I want to focus on you and not on the things of this world. That's not your wife. You know, that, that's, that's not the, the person that you love. And so you've got to be willing to bounce your eyes there. So this desire for the flesh that we, we wrestle with, like I said, it, it, you know, it, it, can, it can rob us 
of the peace of God. I had a guy come up after the first service and tell me, he said, you know, he said, I, I remember sitting at, at home one night and I was praying. He said, and God said, hey, listen, I'm never going to bless you with a relationship you want until you get rid of some of that junk that's in there in your room. And he had some magazines and stuff he had to get rid of. So there may be some of you that you need to say, you know what, God, this word makes it very clear that anything sexual outside of marriage, you know, it's, it's not mine to enjoy. And I know that is completely opposite of what the world says. The world says, hey, get as close as you can get to the edge. Get as close as you can get to the edge without falling into it. But that's not what the world says. The world says, hey, listen, get all in the middle of everything. Just go ahead and jump on in. It's okay. It's, it's all about you. But here's the thing. There's so many Christians that instead of trying to keep a barrier or keep something safe in between, what we do is we want to see how close we can get to sin. And I've known a couple of guys, it was like they wanted to see how close they could get to sin, you know, instead of saying, you know what, how close can I get to God? How close can I get in my relationship to the Lord? How, how can I become holy? Holy means to be set apart, to be righteous, to be godly. You know, how many of you guys have ever seen these stories where, Maybe somebody goes to the zoo and they want to get a selfie with a polar bear. You know, they, they cross what? A couple of barriers, right? They'll climb a fence and sometimes they'll jump in a, a thing of water. Now, we might say there's something probably mentally wrong with those people. It could be, could be, but it could be somebody that just says, hey, I want to do what I want to do and I'm going I'm to do whatever I want to do. So if I want to jump in there with a tiger or a lion and get my selfie with them, I'm going to do it. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And so what happens is, man, we, we don't set up boundaries or we don't respect these boundaries. And what are some of those boundaries? Maybe you just say, you know what, I'm not going to lunch or I'm not going to sit down and I'm not going to have intimate talks with someone of the opposite sex. I'm going to only have those conversations with my wife or with my husband. And maybe for a teenager, some of you teenagers say, you know what, I'm going to save myself until I'm married. You know, I'm going to honor God's word. I'm going to live according to God's plan, not according to the pattern of this world, but according to God's pattern. Because I believe that he has what is best for me. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to line up with your word. Help me to stay focused on you, because I know that you know what is best, and I know that you want what is best for me. So again, he says, hey, God, God's will is for us to, to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. He didn't say just some of it. He says all of it. So man, within the marriage, it's God-honoring. It's beautiful. But outside of that, you're robbing yourself, and you're dishonoring God. Let's look at this next point here. Be content with your possessions. We talk about you know the, the desires for, for, for the for the flesh then we also have the desires of the eyes where we we see something man we we want that like laurie and i we were watching these beach houses is man it's easy man boy that'd be nice to live there you know and maybe you drive somebody by somebody's house and you see how nice it is and you you go man boy i wish i lived there or maybe a corvette comes by you and all of a sudden you go man that's a new one. Oh my gosh that is nice you know and you wish that that was yours and to the point of you know you start speeding up trying to get up beside it to look at it maybe you're going a little bit too far you know what i'm saying Maybe you even put your family in debt so that you can get that, so that you can say that you have that. That would be kind of messed up. Hey, you can't pay the bills, but man, hey, you got the nice car, right? And, you know, I, I'm not there for my family, but hey, I've, I've got this hobby that I love, that I spend a lot of money on, that I put a lot of time into. And, and so we've got to be careful that, you know, that we don't let our possessions and, and, and wanting stuff get in the way. So we've got to learn to be content with our possessions. We've got to learn to be content. How many of you guys ever sit around... And just take some time to say, you know what, hey, what am I thankful for? It's a great exercise, I'm telling you. You know, maybe every once in a while you, you know, you just need to sit down, kind of like the old song, and it talks about, you know, count your many blessings, name them one by one. 
And then it will surprise you what God has done. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, the other night, it was raining. Have, are y'all enjoying the sunshine? Man, I am. Nice, isn't it? Woo! Now, it's going away, but I'm just saying, it's been nice while we had it. But the other night, I was laying in the bed. It was, I think it was the, uh, the, the night of my birthday. You know, I'd, we'd been talking about some things. And, and I was laying in the bed. It was 2.30 in the morning, and I couldn't go to sleep. And it is pouring. I mean, I'm talking about it is a torrential downpour. And I'm laying in the bed, and I'm listening to that, and I just begin to pray. And uh, as I'm praying, I just, I just go, you know, God, I am so thankful that I live in a, a warm house, a dry house. I'm laying in a pretty comfortable bed next to my beautiful wife. And I just started kind of going through the blessings and going, God, thank you. You know, and I, maybe maybe you don't ever take the time to do that, but for me, I was just thankful that I lived in a dry, warm house. Dry, warm house. We take those things for granted, don't we? You know, maybe maybe we ought to say, you know, God, I'm, I'm thankful for the car that I have. I'm thankful that I've got a vehicle to get to work and get back. It may not be a Corvette, but I don't have the debt that that guy's got. You know what I'm saying? But but we begin to go, God, thank you for what I do have. Let's look at what, what how Jesus responds here. It says that the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And let me tell you how I saw this kind of played out. I thought it was cool. Years ago, there was a a, a movie that was out. It was talking about the you know Christ and and anyway, so it was really cool. So Hollywood did a good job of portraying this. So anyway, so Jesus is being tempted by the evil one, Satan. And so Satan takes him up and he says he he literally it's like the sky became a big screen. TV or whatever, or big screen, and so all of a sudden there's this flash of all these kingdoms of the world in like super fast high motion, and I thought, man, that's an incredible way of presenting that, and they did a good job of illustrating this passage, and listen to what it says again, and so he revealed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. A couple of things here. Jesus knew that it wasn't Satan. He knew he was a liar, right? You ever known somebody that would say, hey, man, you know, I've got this. And you're like, no, you don't. And and there's like, I had a friend growing up that we were, we were riding to school one day and I said something about, man, I'd love to go out and, you know, fishing this weekend or something like that. He goes, well, I got a checkmate with a 150 on the back. I said, do you really? I said, I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah. Checkmate with a 150 used to be a bad deal. And I'm like, well, that's, that's cool, man. I said, well, when, when, when do you want to take it out? And he's like, hey, anytime you want to go. He goes, you know, we also got a place over uh, at the beach. You know, we got a condo over there. And I was like, dang, I didn't know this guy was doing that well. You know, his family. And so he tells me all this stuff. Well, we come to find out he had an aluminum boat, a 14-foot aluminum boat with like a little 20 on the back. And they had a trailer over at Orange Beach, and I, which is still pretty nice. But I'm sitting there going like, why did you lie about that? And so we found out, a bunch of us that were guys that were, you know, kind of all kind of buddies, we found out this guy would rather, he would rather lie than tell the truth. Y'all know anybody like that? I mean, it's like, why are you lying, dude? I mean, we love you as you are. You don't have to lie to impress us. Just tell the truth. And many of us, we may know somebody like that, that we lie. They, they just lie, man, all the time. And you're like, why would you lie about that? I mean, it don't even make sense. And, and so here... Jesus has Satan saying, hey, listen, all of this is mine to give. Remember, Jesus was at the beginning of creation. He was there with the Father. He, sp- he saw the Father speak all things into existence. He let there be light, and there was light. 
And so everything that we know and we experience, God the Father spoke into existence. And so Jesus, who was there in the beginning, knows, you know what, he's a liar. And so I think it's important for us to remember that we often have to times have to go, you know what, Satan, you're a liar. That's not going to be better than what I already have. That, that is not going to help me feel any better to get into debt, to, to, to sit there and think that that will make my problems go away. It's only going to make them worse. But Satan's going, no, no, you need this. You really need this. And we end up buying into his lie. And, and, and here's what I'm saying. Jesus knew he's the father of all lies. He's a liar. And so we've got to learn to be content with our possessions. Instead of always wanting what someone else has or always wanting more, what if we were to begin to go, man, God, I'm thankful for what i got. And, and God, I realize I've got too much. I've got storage space that I'm paying every month to store stuff that I never use. What if I were to go bless somebody with that? You know, one of the best things, whenever we, we have this poor old me or feel sorry for myself mentality, is to go do something for somebody else. If, if you start feeling bad about yourself, you go do something for somebody else. And here's what I'm saying is, there may be, it may be freeing to be able to get rid of some things, sell some things, and get rid of a, maybe a monthly note, give some things away to people that need them, and get rid of the note on some rental space, you know, and it might be that, you know what, you feel better about yourself in the opposite way. Instead of the world's way of, hey, I've got to have more and more and more, you go, you know what, I want to do God's way where I'm content with what I have. So that's one way to battle the temptations. It's just to be content with what you have and not always desiring more, more, more. So here's the last one. Be cautious of your position. Be cautious of your position. It says that the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And so there are times that we, we forget that Jesus is a servant. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Truth? Man, he is over all things. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is everything. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. We can focus on those things. But we forget sometimes that he was a suffering servant. And what happens is oftentimes we become arrogant. We become haughty. We become puffed up. And that is not what Jesus was. Who was all those things that we said about him, but yet he was humble. I mean, think about some of the times he would, he would heal someone, you know, he would heal them of being lame or paralyzed or whatever it might be, or leprosy. He'd say, hey, listen, don't go and tell anybody. I mean, most of us would be like, go tell everybody who did that. Go t- hey, let, let everybody know what I did for you type deal. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus blessed someone, healed someone, and then he would say, go and say nothing to anyone. He, he gets around with the disciples. He takes off his outer garment, he puts a towel around his waist, he gets down, he begins to pour water over their feet and wash their feet. Dirty, nasty feet. They wore sandals everywhere. He's down there washing their feet, and Peter goes, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. But Jesus says, Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you don't have any part with me. What, what Jesus was saying to Peter is, hey, Peter, if you're going to follow me, you have to be a servant. It's not about your position. It's about your heart. It's about your ministry. It's about the mission. 
It's about loving people and caring about people. It's not about your arrogance or your haughtiness or your position. There are times that we look down on people. They're not as educated as us, right? They're not as smart as we are. They're not as whatever. And what we have a tendency to do is we always look for something to kind of put us up a little bit so we can look down on them a little more. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus got down and washed their feet. And if anything, he was looking up to them and saying, hey, listen, if you're going to be a part of me, you've got to do what I do. And so Jesus is here. He's being tempted by Satan. Hey, you can just jump off. Listen to his response. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus say, hey, listen, I'm not testing God. I'm not going to see how close I can get to sin. I'm not going to see what I can get away with. But, man, I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to follow the Father's teachings. And I think Jesus modeled that for us. He, you know, he lived without sin. And so I would say the same to us. You know, do I go through life with a sense of humility, being humble? Or do I go through life thinking I'm better than some people? Maybe we drive through a certain part of town. Well, man, I sure am glad I'm not like these people. Or maybe we look down on people because of their education or their background or whatever it might be. But are we humble? So be cautious of your position and realize, you know what? God's put people in your life to love. One of the things I always ask God to teach me is, is God, show me how to love people the way that you love them. Help me to see them the way that you see them. The Bible talks about seeing people as like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, they're wandering. And oftentimes they're lost. This past Wednesday night, we had first Wednesday in here. And it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, even though it was pouring down rain. I mean, it was raining cats and dogs. I mean, it was terrible. But we had a great crowd in here Wednesday night. And John Pierce, uh, one of our uh, guys here, one of our members here, he was uh, ordained uh, as a pastor. And uh, anyway, he is our Celebrate Recovery pastor here at Journey Church. And anyway, so we, we were in here praying over him. And, and uh, we had a challenge to, to be, you know, prayer, be praying and to pray for miracles and and then we did a challenge to John, and so John came and sat here in a chair in the front, and everyone came by and laid hands on him and prayed over him, setting him apart for ministry. And it was a very powerful time. So the coolest thing was after the service, I'm standing over here talking to someone, and a young girl walks up to me, and, and she goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah, absolutely. And so she said, I've, I've been wanting to give my life to Christ. And I was like, dude, how awesome was that? That was easy. I mean, she literally walked, I've been wanting to give my life to Christ. I've been wanting to be saved. I, I, you know, and so I said, well, let's walk back here. So her and the friend that was with her said, let's walk back here to the VIP room. So we went back there. We sat down. And I, I kind of walked her through the gospel. I said, have you ever put your faith in Christ for salvation? Have you ever received Jesus as Lord? Have you ever, just by faith, said, Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life? She was like, no, sir. She was I've been wanting to. And so anyway, so we sit there. We, we talk through a few questions. And then I lead her through a, a simple prayer that I prayed when I was 19 years old. She was 15. Her name was Paige. So Paige said, if, if you believe that with all the faith that's in you, the Bible says you're saved. You become a part of the family of God. You are part of the church. And, and so it was, a, it was a celebration. And I thought, that was on my, I was like, man, what a great birthday gift. And I told her, I said, you know what? This is the best birthday gift I could have ever received right there is to have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. And then literally for them to walk, hey, I've been wanting to get saved. And I'm just telling all of you guys, there are people around you that want to receive Christ, and they're looking to you to be that light, to be that witness, to be that one that would share with them what you have received. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, 
I don't want to be like this world. I want to be different so that whenever someone is looking for hope, and they're looking for truth, they will see me and want to have what I have. And so that should be every believer in the room. But you know what, man? Satan does not rule in my life. He does not tell me what to do. He does not make me do certain things. But I am a child of God. I've been purchased with a price. I've been born again. I have been saved. I have been redeemed. And I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to be a light in this dark world. And so, God, I want you to use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. That ought to be every believer that is in this room. And so hopefully that people literally would say, hey, listen, I want to give my life to Christ. I want what you have. So be cautious of your position. Look at what it says here in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let, so let... So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And let me tell you, there's days we need it more than others. And we just got to be willing to say, you know what, when I come to God, man, he will meet my needs. He'll give me what I need. He'll give me the strength that I need. Laurie and I, when we planted Journey Church over 15 years ago, we talk about this oftentimes, that first year, uh, man, it was tough. I, I tell people all the time, if you want to, you know, get into the extreme sport of ministry, plant a church. You know, because we gave up a job. She gave up a job. We moved to an area. We raised support. We had to find a place to meet all the details that were involved. And I can remember that first year, man, it was tough. We would go to bed every night about 1 o'clock. We'd get up every morning about 6 o'clock. You know, and so we went hard. And there was days that I wanted to quit, but she didn't. And there was days that she wanted to quit, and I didn't. And so I'm just saying, we need people around us that are going through life with us because the temptations are going to come. That's not, that's not in question. The temptations are going to be there. But you need to surround yourself with people that love you, that love your marriage, that love your family. And you know what? Whenever you don't, when you want to quit, they won't. They say, no, 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 man, I'm, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to keep moving forward. You need your spouse. You know, y'all need to be on the same page. Hey, I love you. I love you. And, man, we love Christ together. We're going to move in the same direction. And there's going to be days you may want to throw the towel in. They say, you know what? I'm not quitting on you. And they're still there. But God will meet our needs. Every day, I love this statement, every day I have to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember what it said? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the temptations. That's a great model for us. So every day we ought to start our day. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me today by your Spirit. God, I don't want to follow the pattern of this world. I don't, I don't want to give in to what the temptations are. I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to be filled with your Spirit. And I want the people around me to know that, you know what, I am Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, and I want to be obedient to God. Let them see it. Let them know it. Here's some next steps for me today. Most important thing you can do is give, my, give Jesus my life and be filled with God's Spirit, just like Paige was Wednesday night. Maybe for somebody in this room, you go, you know what, man, that is what I need. I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus to come and live within me. I need the power of a holy God at work within me because I feel like I am getting it handed to me day after day after day by Satan. And here's the thing. Maybe you're not experiencing victory because you've never received Christ. Because victory only comes through Christ. Living within us, living through us. And so give Jesus my life and be filled with God's Spirit day in, day out constantly getting refilled and then look at the next one there it's just through the power of the spirit take control of my passions only way you can do that the only way that you can take control of those passions is through the power of the holy spirit working in you this this is not a will thing this is a surrender thing it's surrendering to the leadership of god's holy spirit it's surrendering and allowing the holy spirit to work in you and through you and then look at the next one choose to be thankful and content with my possessions. For some of us in the room, maybe that's the first thing we do today. 
we start counting our blessings, we just start going, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my, my wife, my husband, my kids. You know, the food in the pantry. You know, I joked about this in the first service. Man, there's so many of us, we, we complain, hey, there's nothing to eat. And there's all kinds of canned goods in there. And they'll end up, you know, we'll say, you know, I hope they do a food drive where I can get rid of these and go buy some more canned goods that I can stick in there that will end up expiring or whatever. We have food just laying around. We are a blessed nation. And maybe we ought to just say, you know what, man, I am thankful, God. Instead of whining and complaining, we say, God, I'm thankful. And I want to be content with my possessions. Content with what I have. And then let's go look at this last one. Crucify pride. You might say, Mike, how do you crucify pride? You nail it to the cross of Christ. You crucify this flesh. You crucify the arrogance, the pride. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. And you keep falling, you keep tripping, you keep stumbling. Well, pride comes before that. And so what we've got to be able to say, God, take the pride that's in me. And God, I want to confess it to your sin. And I want to give it to you. And I want to walk in humility. I want to be a humble man. I want to be a godly man. I want to be a humble woman. I want to be a godly woman. I want to be righteous. God, give me that desire. Help me to crucify this flesh. Help me to crucify this pride. And to literally look for ways to serve. I want to be a servant the way that my Savior was. Urban legend. Satan made me do it. And I'm just telling you, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that's a lie from hell. It's just that you're choosing the things of this world and you're choosing sin over God. And he can't bless you the way he wants to bless you. It's not because he doesn't have the authority, the power to. It's just he has to honor his word. So that if there's sin in your life that you need to confess today, man, it's a great opportunity to do it. Just confess and say, God, this has been sin in my life. God, I've been coveting. God, I've been lusting after other women or other men or whatever it might be. I've been coveting other people's possessions. God, I've been walking in pride and arrogance. God, I want to walk in humility. I want to be a servant the way my Savior was. So I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, search me. Show me what I need to confess today. Show me what I need to deal with today. I promise you the Holy Spirit will reveal those things. There may be some of you in the room, you say, Mike, I don't have the Holy Spirit living within me. I've never received Jesus Christ for salvation. I've never placed my faith in Christ. I've tried religion. I've tried to be good. I've tried to, you know, have more willpower, but it's just not working. So, Mike, I realize today for the very first time, I need Jesus Christ to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord. I need Christ in my life. And so if that is you, I want to walk you through a simple prayer. Same thing I prayed with Paige Wednesday night. But right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you bled out your precious blood on that cross to pay for the sins of mine and the many people in the world. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, that means with everything that I believe, I put my faith in you, Christ, to save me. Jesus, to save me. And so, Jesus, will you change me? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you teach me? His answer is yes. And Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? His answer is yes. He's already told you that in his word. And he will, not, he will always honor his word. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come and live within you, you ask him to forgive you of your sins. 
He'll save you. And if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Let me know just so I can be praying for you right here. Amen, brother. That's awesome. Anybody else? Raise your hand back here. I see your, I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you just to look up here at me for a second, if you would. Right here. Right here. Here's the thing. It's by faith that you're saved. It's nothing more than that. It's not works. It's receiving a gift. And what you guys have done by faith is you've received the gift of, of, of eternal life. And you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit placed within you. So moving forward from here, you become a child of God. Part of His family. Part of the church. It's only by faith you receive that. You believe that? Then you're saved. That's, that's what Scripture says. You believe that? Then you're saved. You're part of the family of God. Now the next step is to follow Him in believer's baptism. To go public. Just like Christ, He was baptized. He went public. We want to put a Bible in your hand. You may say, well, I've already got a Bible. There's a new believer's Bible back there. It's an incredible gift I want to give to you guys. But I just want you all to know, that is what changes life. And from this point forward, you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan has no authority over you. He will always try to tempt you, but he has no authority over you. You have been purchased with a price. You're the child of a king. Amen. There's others in this room, many others in this room, that would say they're already believers. These two have just put their faith in Christ for salvation. That's awesome. But there's others in this room that, you know what, you know that you're saved. But, man, are you, are you living for Christ? Or if the people looked at you, the people around you looked at your life, would they say that you live more for the world or more for Christ? Today can be the day of change for you as well. Today could be the day of repentance where you turn from the way you've been living and you turn to Christ. You put your faith in Him. You put your faith in Him. I don't know what God is speaking to you about today, but you do. And He does. And so I just want to encourage you, man, just trust Him. Lean into Him. And let Him change you and transform you by changing the way you think, therefore changing the way you live. Father, I thank You for today. I thank You for how much You love us. I thank You for salvation. I thank You that no temptation, Father, has the authority over us. But because of Christ living in us, Father, we can overcome all things. And so, God, I'm claiming that today. I'm leaning into that day, and I'm believing that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before these guys come out, we've got two that just gave their life to Christ. Let's give them a hand and let them know. Proud of you. That is awesome. That's why this church exists. I hope you know that. Journey Church exists to reach those that are far from God. So welcome to the family of God today. Amen.